Pick up your paintbrush. It's time for Hobby Support Group, the gallery. Da, 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 da. The gallery. Good evening, Ed, and hello, listeners. Good evening, Tom. Hi, folks at home. So, hello, listeners. Today, Ed is joining me as we once more go through the gallery to see what you've all been doing hobby-wise in the last month and really looking forward to today. Hopefully, we are a little bit more prepared than last month, so there should be hopefully at least a 50% reduction in we don't know what that is. Please let us know. And also, do we have tricorn chat? We will have to see as we go ahead. I don't think there is going to be any tricorn chat this week, but there could be which Parthenon of Gods chat instead. Yes. Teaser for later on. So he isn't here this evening, but let us jump straight into what Andy's been up to and some Shermans from the Kings of War starter set. And these look really, really nice. I know these are based in Western Europe for Kings of War starter set, but I think they do, it would be quite unfortunate if some communist guerrillas came and set fire to them at some point while they're on the table, Andy. These are really nice. I, I love the basing. Um, I think the first I saw of this project were the bases in isolation and uh, yeah, really nice mix of um, flock and gravel and such. Well, I think it is. It, it was an interesting point at Joy of Six when it, it was asked who bases their vehicles or not. And, you know, the heathens who said they don't. Uh, I think this is a good point of why it's called cool to base vehicles. And these look just really nice. Um, get that one in early. But they, like the more I see of, of this stuff that Andy's painting up, the more I I can very much see, I think, some 15 mil World War Two in my future at some point or possibly 12 we'll see it'll be world war ii in another scale let's yes. let's let's not lie that i'm probably not going to do it at some point because i i think the first time you had this discussion with andy there were howls of protestation from you that you weren't going to do another scale of world war ii i like painting tanks i like having just finished just before we started recording been painting some like six mil camo they actually you know these are giants these would be really good fun and they, they look really nice and lots of fun and then v2 rocket because sorry it's a v1 rocket ah increase it's a doodle bug not a v2 um i really like this i i also really like the the, the paint effect that he's got i don't know if it's like a, a, with the rattle cam primer but it, it looks kind of slightly chalky it i think it, it's a cool effect on that with the MDF launcher. Um, any thoughts on the Doodlebug? Ed? I think it looks quite ominous. Um, I had a gaming question, which is, um, how would you game with this? Would it be just a piece for a scenario? So you're looking to blow it up before it launches? Well, yeah. or what would you do? I, I, I think even with the best will in the world of like, you know, various like grand scales are quite strange on the table. I think, you know, Putting like a, you know, having something on it, firing off like a V1 or, or a V2 on the table and then having it strike on the same table. It's probably, <laughs> it's probably like stretching incredulity a, a little bit. Um, Certainly. 
unless you're doing the, uh, you know, it takes off and then immediately crashes and you know takes it half the unit. Now, um, after, you know, you sent them off in northern France and they're in London. You know, if, if they're in pistol range, something seriously bad has gone wrong. And then some of the infantry that he's got painted up and really nice. Cool bases as well. I, I do really like bases with the, you know, the decent chamfer on them. They look quite nice and chunky. And these just look cool squads. Because they're kind of rounded, aren't they? Yeah, they're only, like, sorry, Andy, we're not talking about your paint job here. We're just saying that like, we, we like the shape of the base. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't Ignore the tap that's been glued onto them. That's a good rounded corner chamfered oblong base. Um, I, I mean, the paint the paintwork is, is good as well. And I, again, the, the basing is very nice. But also, there's, there's, there's some smooth bases. Yeah, they are quite nice. They, 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 they look nicer than just the straight edge, the straight edge MDF. Yeah. Gonna have to get the linishing, uh, I think, uh, and, and they are. These do look really nicely painted as well. Um, I, I like the basing scheme, but he's gone for these because you could sort of decide that you know. I think it's a, a neutral enough scheme that you could sort of get away with. You know, is it summer? Is it autumn? Is it winter? Yeah. It's kind of, you know, is it some drenched or is it you know freezing cold? You decide. I, I think that's quite useful. I, I like that idea. It's quite and that, heather, heathery, it looks like. But then, keeping in World, World War Two, we now move on to Ben Still and some more of his 15 mil World War Two. And this time he's got some airborne. And Ben, these are cracking. Yeah. Um, really, really nice. Again, really nice bases. Um, but also really cool characters. Everyone looks very characterful. Everyone, you know, obviously with the berries, they pop and just look really cool. And, you know, every figure looks like a command figure. Yeah. You know, it, they look really cool. And I think these would be a lot of fun to play with. And, you know, edge highlighting and stuff on 15 mil dudes, Ben, is a little bit rude. I can count the knuckles in this gunner here. Yeah, with the machine gun. Yeah. Oh, not only has he got like the foliage in the hat, but we're gonna we're gonna highlight the the leaves and the different tones of green in the hat. Um, as I say, Ben, a bit rude. I'm looking forward to playing against them. Uh, yeah, I think as I said last time we looked at some of these, it's really crisp, and at the same time includes loads of different types of colours and textures, which is very hard to do to have all those different elements in it for it not to look like a, a mess well i think that's one of the like the truly hardest things i think in, in painting some of like especially things like modern-ish troops and camo and stuff things where you've got like so many different textures you've got like the fabric of the uh, like cloaks and trousers you've got maybe like a leather haversack you've then got like foliage in the helmet you've got then like metals and woods and also you, you've got so many different textures and materials to try and represent on the same model and actually make them all look like they are and not make them either look like they're just dressed in a giant sack yeah or or it's all just like painted wood or painted plastic i think it's it's one of the, the truly hardest things i think it's it's one of the things that I, I i think ben does really good and like a lot of the painters that 
we, we chat about this as in being able to differentiate that thing you know like someone's holding a banner and you know, the banner looks like it's cloth the banner pole looks like it's wood or metal yeah you know, there I, I think it, it, it just truly really makes the, the, the things different and I, I think talking about that how you can like tie all different fab like all different materials and everything together and make them all look very different but then how they all like tie into a single model or a series of models we then move on to ben fletcher and some more of his necromunda stuff and here we've got some traitor guard that he's done up and you know these again you know it's in that style that we talk about all the time with with them where everything looks like it's from the same universe it's all that really grim dark washed out sort of plague ridden camo green yellow and it's sort of like everything is sort of it's a very muted but very consistent palette that just sort of looks so sickly across from everything you know like how it bleeds into the putties and yep the, the flesh tones everything it, it just you know you reach for the dettol when sort of looking at them um, <laughs> but so like looking at the the, the the figures here of like the the, the guy with the lasca you know you've got like the metal shoulder pad you've got a cloth cloak you've got leather boots the metal of the base a leather rifle strap cloth round the last gun you know like plastic stock for the last gun the metal of the scope a metal inlay on the last gun because it's grim dark so it's got to have like a skull on the last gun and then different cloth on the putties and how like all of them look you can instantly tell what they are and what they're made of through the use of of paint and texture on them i and like how the the, the cloak and like the cowl that the guy's wearing just looks like it's encrusted in filth and grime. Just yeah, looks and gross. It's like it, 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 they look irradiated. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's it, you can feel the toxic the toxicity coming off them. It's really uh, excellent work. And also, I think as uh, the, 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 with his um, uh, collection. I don't know these models as well. Um, I've got quite a lot of guard and quite a lot of the traitor miniatures that um, going to a shop have produced. But I think I don't happen to have these as part of my collection. But I think these are partly converted as well. Certainly, some of the other ones have been converted up. Um, and yeah, but it's such good conversion work that I'm not sure where I, I couldn't tell you where the joins are. Well, I think this is quite often with with Ben stuff, isn't it? It's like it, it's very often. I don't know if it's a conversion or if it's a a new kit for like one of the war bands or something that's come out that I haven't noticed or just don't keep track of anymore. And it's only very occasionally when you go, oh, I know that Empire head. That's, <laughs> I, oh, I recognise that hand from something. Then you find that's probably actually it is a legit kit that they, you know, GW themselves have recycled a head or a face. Um, but now I, I think, you know, and then we're moving on to some some more other traitor guard, and I think like, you know, even within the, the same universe and the same force that Ben is building, you know, those two guys we were just looking at, you know, as you said, you know, they looked very much irradiated and gooey. I think you would say like these two guys, 
you know, admittedly one's probably not long for this world because he's got a plasma gun and he's in the vicinity <laughs> of both myself and you. You know, so he's, he's rolling that one soon and getting hot. Um, but these don't look, these look much more rage fueled than gunky. I think, yep. I think, I think it's cool. And I really like how they are just, again, you know, they fit so easily into that overall aesthetic, but just have a slightly different vibe to them, but still feel like they're going to be part of the same unit. And then I think probably this is probably one of about the most 40k models I think you could probably have. This is like I don't know if this is a new release. It reminds me very much of the classic Commissar with the old yeah. school Power Fist, but then obviously a traitor guy because he's got you know an eight pointed star quite literally grafted into his face and a rather large one on the chest. And then the old school bolt pistol. Um, this is a cool character. I, this is, I think, um, the kit that they did for uh, Kill Team or a version of Kill Team at some point. Um, and uh, yeah, this, this I think is either a, a, a fallen commissar or someone who's nicked a commissar's jacket and various apparel. Um, but yeah, no, it's an excellent model and is very much of that sort of Necromunda era style of, I mean, first time around for Necromunda. Yeah, no, um, it, it definitely has that. I think it has that like modern GW vibe of this is a model that almost looks like it could have been released in like 2001. Yeah. But you ne- it never quite made it sort of a thing. Or this is something that you might have seen coming soon in White Dwarf, but you didn't buy. You now get it. Um, I quite like this. I think, actually, the, although this is like a chaos up point, I think if I was still playing guard, actually, like, one of these unchaos might be quite yes. cool. I just, I, I like the idea of having a commissar in a trench coat. It's just like an unbuttoned trench coat. Yeah. Just, you know, come on, lads, off we go. I think this appeals to my aesthetic. And um, although I think, to be honest, I think in his current uh, wardrobe choices, I think it very much fit into my traitor guard army anyway. Made up primarily of old school Goliaths. For, Indeed. Um, and then some slightly less roid-fueled guardsmen here. And... Again, I don't recognise these figures. So these are uh, from Kill Team, Games Workshop's Kill Team. They're called the Blooded. And um, most of them are, there's some light conversion work, um, but uh, it's mainly just the the model from the box. Um, Having said all that, uh, the the key thing is the paintwork and and, and the paint job that he's done with them, which make them... His, his in, in his in his own inimical style, they make him very much his own. Well, yeah, I think so. Like looking at the guy with the thumper, you, you know, having the shine on those brass grenades inside the weapon strap just really makes the whole model pop and come to life as a real thing. I, I really Absolutely. like this. Um, 
and then you know a, a flame a dude and a guy chucking a grenade can you then these are absolutely cracking models and then i melt the gun before he burns you know someone to death with it and <laughs> a shotgun behind the ballistic shield these are, are such cool figures and i think this is like a whole range of you know all of these character figures has been like, i used to play a lot of dark heresy mm. i wish these models had been around then and i was half the painter that ben is because these would be such brilliant like either like npcs or even like character models just slightly decay a little bit but brilliant but then yeah it's not all just traitor guard and humans that ben paints to a sickening degree because he also then paints some absolutely gorgeous crew mercenaries and yeah. you know where do we really start with these ben you know they're great these now these are fantastic fantastic models and i think to us i think even if you don't play 40k or any like games in that universe but you wanted some like cool alien monster things i think these would be quite cool the the, te- the work on the skin the texture of the skin is really good I, I, and again i i think that's one of ben's great strengths is that you it's the different kinds of textures that you that you can get through the paintwork yeah so if you contrast the mottled uh filthy overalls of those cultists with the which is basically a mix of different colors and different layering with the um uh similar approach for the skin you get a completely different result um because this this just looks like skin it doesn't look like they've got they've been smeared in grime um so yeah i i it, it it's really really good work um, and they really makes the you know these minis come alive. Well, yeah, and things like looking at these crew, like the difference between like the metal of the prosthetic leg, and then like the metal on the rifles, and then like the, the difference between the rifle barrels and yeah. the knives and stabbing implements. Just the, the the subtle differences in the metallics just makes it all look really real which yeah. is you know when you've got some weird avian alien hybrid space mercenary thing it's quite difficult to see but it, it again just makes them look real um the same as here we have like with the crew hounds and their handler you know, these are brilliant you know, these look much better than like the predator hound thing from the latest predator movie yes yeah. more realistic these look really great um That's what I say. And then, you know, moving on then to some of them, which bring even more colours in, like we see like with the crew leader with the red cloak and that cloak is sickeningly nicely painted. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it really does pop. And like, I assume he is like the HQ. For I, I, yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. Th- this war band and he looks like a HQ figure. He, he, he just looks like he's the boss. Yeah. And then if that, you know, if you decide, well, we've got some traitor guards and then, you know, they're having a bit of a ruckus with some crew mercenaries, what do you maybe need? Well, um, like some sort of word bearers, aligned demon engine robot job. It, it'll, it'll, it'll do, it certainly will do the job. 
I think it's going to give you a bit of a crumping, isn't it? And it's going to probably, you know, you're going to want a good pointy stick to <laughs> put it. Um, this is a brilliant model. Yeah. It, it's a brilliant model. It's a great paint job. And I think this is one of those models that you could have in your model collection, regardless of really what met so many different games you could play and you could put this on the table. I must say it's a bit anxiety inducing because the lip the lip of the base is just slightly off the table. So like a, a shunt and he could be on the floor. Uh, he, he he's infused with the word of logo, he doesn't care. He'll... Yes, he's, he's defying danger. It's, um, now I th- I think this is really cool. I, I would quite happily see this I play, you know, you're playing a cyberpunk game, this pops out. You're playing something like Zone Alpha, this pops out of a portal. I think it's. I think this is the kind of model that I like, which is, you know, if it fits in 40k, but it also fits in. You know, we've played enough games and like watched enough movies growing up where it's like you know we know what 1997 looks like. <laughs> this looks like 1997, seen from the year 1992, um, if that makes sense to listeners of a certain age. Um, I, I hope it does. <laughs> it certainly makes sense to me. And also, um, uh, you've got a lot of red in this miniature, uh, the strongest colour, and he's cleverly got a little bit of green on the base, like that kind of green ichor at the bottom. Yeah, and so, like and like yeah. the slime that's also like the ichor that's like around the like you know, desiccated husk of like the head. It's yes, like oozing out as well. So you know, again, more goo. Um, well, complimentary ooze, if you're going to ooze up your miniatures. Yeah, and then, um, you know, when, like, if you get a bit too enthusiastic with the ooze, and um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the GW cultists, um, I think the, 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 these Chaos cultists, like the Bannermen and what I assume is like some high acolyte, I think are probably where, like, GW sculpting goes when... You let them turn it up to 11. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you go, so what if a guy replaces his, like, circulatory system with a giant candelabra that he puts <laughs> on his head, which has candles on it, but also functions as a circulatory system? Yeah, we'll do that. Um, yeah, and it these makes itself, are, you know, conceptually. Yeah, the, these... Um, Despite being a fan of whimsy, these models as sculpts are a bit busy for my personal taste. Yes, uh, arguably, yeah. There's a lot going on, we'll say. I think that's fair. They look gorgeous, Ben, um, and actually look quite a lot of fun. Um, I imagine Mr. Candelabra Man is probably quite a fun model to have on the (laughs) table. Um, I can't imagine him being much of like a sporting specimen, having to, you know, lug his candelabra circulatory system around well i assume he's a some kind of fallen psyker because he's got a very large cranium yeah or it's just filled with bees or something it's you know, it's, <laughs> it's 40k um, you know, not the bees else. not the bees that's, that's the that's that's the crossover we all want and need so now moving on to our first six mil figures of the episode and these are some absolutely gorgeous american civil war units painted up by dj chadwick 
got some Confederates and what I assume are some Yankees. Apologies. Mm -hmm. DJ don't actually know enough about the American Civil War to recognize the unit flags or specifically what they are. Please let us know. Um, the American Civil War is one of those conflicts that I know next to nothing about. Um, I, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I think I know a couple of the beats and I've listened to podcasts and episodes about individual battles. But in terms of identifying forces and the overall like military sweep, I, I'm afraid it's not something I know in any detail. I've got the John Kerrigan book on my phone to listen to at some point later this year. That's as close as I've got at the moment. Something a little bit closer to home that I do, I, I think I know what are. I think these are going to be some Peninsula British. I believe so. Really like these. Very much a fan of like the nice close marching order. I'm guessing that these are 15 mil dudes. I think they, that's right. They look like that. Um, very nice paint job on them. And then moving on to some British for Blood and Valour. Which, again, really nice dynamic poses. Really nice paint job on these. Looking forward to seeing some more of these. Absolutely. Painted I up. like the lollipop sticks. <laughs> I mean, I like the miniatures as well. But those are some hefty uh, lollipop sticks, if that's in fact what they are. Kind of lozenge-shaped strips of wood. Um, I think they are like... I think they could be the tongue depressor. Ah. The, the hobby enthusiast's lolly stick. Where you're buying them. You never use that. You never. I've never used them. No. Are they? I... eBay what, what, is your yeah. friend. Now this week we move on now to Dave Churchill. And in previous episodes, uh, Dave has often like skirted close to winning the award for the most eclectic collection of the month, if not having been a previous winner. Uh, I'm going to safely say before we start looking at what Dave has posted up this week, he definitely wins that award. And he's mm. probably in the award for most eclectic collection of the year, as we are now halfway through the year, because there is some fun stuff we're about to talk about in the next five minutes. Probably going to be quite a lot of I really like it. Starting off with some warlord, I think these are warlords, Imperial Japanese. I've painted up a lot of these figures. They're really nice paint jobs. They aren't the most brilliant figures in the world, but the job Dave's done on them is really nice and they look cracking. So moving on from some 28mm World War II that Dave has painted up, we now move on to some Warmaster in 10mm. And these are some Pendragon figures painted up as Empire dudes, which Ed has reliably just informed me because there is a bit of editing here when we're going, <laughs> what is that? Ed had done his homework. It's uh, Reichland uh, is, is the uh, um, uh, area of the empire that they've come from. Um, uh, and I, yeah, no, these, these are really, really good. And, I assume these are yeah. going to be the Pendrak and Landersheks. Exactly, on. yeah. And for 10 mil, you, you, they fit right in. You, you don't have to do any kind of um, imagination work to kind of squint to make well, them, it's, it's almost you know, like you know warhammer you know empire could be rather you know <laughs> it's there rather some historical basis for lots of those units never I, yeah, but, 
very very much the Perry's wanting to shoehorn in historicals to fantasy. Um, but I, they, they really hit in a cool idea. I mean, the um, late Middle Ages into the early, you know, well, late Renaissance, um, it, it's such a fertile realm for fantastical ideas. Um, and yeah, I think there's a reason why Empire stuck in people's minds. And this looks like a really cool project. I'd be interested to see how he approaches some of the other empire units, whether he's going for the old miniatures or modern stand-ins, but um, yeah, I, a really interesting project. I really like. Please show us more of this, Dave, because you know we like Warmaster, we like Pendragon stuff. This is a cool stuff. I used my Warmaster stuff. It's mostly it's mostly Pendragon and a bit of Lancer for my Albion army, because who doesn't want chariots and bog creatures and all sorts? Talking about random bog creatures now move on to this and has ed done the homework for what these are yes i have these are from uh the board game stuffed fables which is not a game i've ever heard of before but these are eight nightmares um and i think best described as um plushies that have uh been in some kind of horrible uh 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 sort of shootout and have now come back from uh come back from uh, uh, the afterworld for revenge. Yeah, someone's Gellerfield, I think, has definitely failed on, <laughs> on, on these. Some, so, or someone has been reading books that they shouldn't. Um, these are terrifying. <laughs> they're, they're a lot of fun. But I could, like, these are so disquieting. I think I would probably find like these more disquieting sat on the shelf looking at me, like in my bedroom, than like, actual like demons and all sorts of weird creepers. These are just decidedly creepy. And we've not even had the really creepy miniatures yet for the Davis painted up, but these oh, no. are really, really nice. I quite like the, the, how the, you dif they're differentiated by the different base shapes as well. Yes. Yeah. So this is this is like four copies of the same sculpt, more or less, and yet one's on a round base, one is on a square, one's on a hexagon, and the other's on an octagon. Mm. They just, it's, it's, I think it's probably a cool way of differentiating between the two and then here is like the nightmare fuel um, <laughs> creatures of the I, I assume these are inspired by the coconut crab inside the doll's head picture that most of us have seen but these are four robotic spider things with scissor hand and like a plier hand with dolls slash children's heads as bodies um, I choose to believe these are dolls. <laughs> this isn't 40k, so we'll say they're dolls. Um, yes. They are quite scary. They are, they are quite creepy looking. Yeah. And then we've mentioned that this isn't 40k, but then there are some Necrons to round out what Dave has painted up this month. And the bases on these are absolutely cracking. Yeah. I think they really do look like they're sort of on like a an asteroid or some sort of like Martian, like alien planet. And I, I also like the, the very simple, but really effective, like eye glow of just yep. the little bit of paint around, like the top of the carapace of the eyes just makes them look like how I imagine Necrons are when they were you know, very much legally distinct Terminator and skeleton 
things before whatever they are now. But these these are really nice tapes. I think they look very very cool. Um, Certainly, yeah. And just a, a cool use of some models. So thank you very much, Dave, for everything that you posted this month. We are in fact now looking at Ed's Austrians that he has painted this month as hosts do not get to escape talking about their own work. And Ed, these are really nice. Thank you. They, they, they look very much nice. I particularly enjoy the goblin green bases on the bottom of them. I think that's, that, that's a nice homage. Um, let us know where, where you've got your stock, the stash of goblin green for the bases so from. These are uh, an army painter paints, which is almost but not quite goblin green. There are certainly more accurate goblin green adjacent colours on the market. There's a whole host of um, uh, uh, nostalgia fueled um, companies that produce identical paint sets for the stuff that you would have got in the early 90s and in the late 80s. Um, but I, I, unfortunately, all the goblin green is going to be covered by flock. Um, although I think one of the regiments, uh, yeah, no, one of the regiments, so two brigades, have got um, uh, goblin green, or the, my equivalent of goblin green, as the facing colour. Uh, I think it was apple green in the reference book I was using. So I went, oh, well, I'm definitely using goblin green, close enough. Um, so, so yes, but uh, I, I'm, I'm closely... Uh, uh, Closing in on the finish um, for this army, and um, yeah, well, it's it's been, I think, as I've said previously, um, I'm possibly a bit slower than you and Andy in doing these uh, six mil. It's my first six mil army, but it's been very rewarding, and um, I'm I'm looking forward to the whole thing being finished. Well, I think from looking at these pictures, and please don't think I was being disparaging about the bubble. No, no, it's this, all. Uh, oh, it's all. I think probably the reason why you're taking they're taking you longer to do is because you're doing an incredibly nice paint job. Um, they, these are really, these look gorgeous. Um, and to be honest, looking at the, the pictures, like I haven't seen them as fresh, but looking at them from here, they're hard to tell that they're six mil. There's like yep. you've, you've picked out so much detail on them, and they're so crisp, crisp and clean. You've done like an absolute. They, they easily look like they could be ten mil dudes. You, you, you look like you've done an absolutely cracking job at them. And Thank you. Yeah. You, you also painted up like what? Fifteen bases of infantry, something like that. Um, I think it's about seventeen, and that's not including the um, Grens, which I'm doing at the moment, and. Um, I was almost going to do the Landers next. Uh, or I'm, that's not technically what they're called. That there's various different German words for different variations of their levy um, equivalent, uh, and I, you get them as part of the uh, collection. And I might wuss out and not do them because they weren't part of the list that I drew up originally. They just came as part of the bundle that I got from Perry's. Sorry, uh, from from Peter Berry, um, and. Uh, or maybe I will. I feel bad for wishing out now. <laughs> but in any case, quite quite a sizable force. Hopefully it's going to be um, equivalent in size to um, your French or your British force that you, you uh, uh, put together. So uh, hopefully when this is all done, we'll have a big game of Austrians versus French at some point. Yeah, I think 
probably um it's probably is about the right size i think actually my french i think is i think it's, it's like it's sub 20 units of, of yeah. foot i think um it's got a bit more cavalry in it but then it's my army um so of course it's got more cavalry um but yeah i think it's like my, my french army the idea when i built it was it was going to be expanded at some point into having a guard section because you yep. know it's it's based on waterloo should you really have the guard there you can just sort of stand about most of the day and don't really do it very much um as guards generally sort of didn't but uh yes. because of other hobbying projects and you know financial constraints and stuff that never really saw the the third phase of the napoleonic waterloo army's not really sort of taken part because it's like because we've played a few games with it and it's a really fun army to, armies to play with at the moment i thought yeah. actually i don't need to spend another 100 quid on guard to make it cool it would be nice in the future i probably will do eventually in the future but mm-hmm. at the moment i'm doing some ecw stuff um but now i'm really looking forward to playing this and we've actually got a big game booked in for next month haven't we we, we do actually. yeah we're going to do quattro bra and hopefully we will get many toys on the table and see what we're doing um we're looking forward to that and these do as i say these look absolutely stunning they look Thank very you. very nice and the bazaars you know you've done like the the gold edging of the saddle cloths <laughs> well, it felt felt rude not to <laughs> i didn't go to i didn't do the little um uh initials on the um on on the on the cloth um you in theory i was like toying with the idea of just dabbing a little dot of gold in the corner in the triangle of the um i should really learn the names of the different bits of the cavalry uniform the the the, the, the you know the the, the saddle cloth that's the word, isn't it? Or is that sabotage? It's a cloth. It's a, it's a saddle cloth or a numna. I don't know what the proper version is. Even Mr. Calvary Man. Yeah, it's a saddle cloth or a numna. Uh, so yeah, I These are Germans. So there's, there's going to be some well, Austrians. They're going to be some horrendously complicated compound word. That's oh, certainly. Right, you know, <laughs> eighteen syllables long. Um, no, I, I think these are absolutely top-notch six-mil painting. Um, and all, all credit to Bacchus. Um, while I was painting them, I was discovering details that you, you really didn't need to be there for the paint job that I was doing. So I started doing moustaches on the cavalry, uh, and then I thought, you can't really see. And, you know, it's it's so fiddly in the risk of you know, missing the upper lip and them getting a, you know, an eye patch was um, quite strong. So I, I, I didn't, but going through it, you think all the little choices where you go, do I go for this detail or do I just paint over it? Well, no, it's, it's things like how you've done the edging on the saddlecloths. Like I paint the edging on the saddlecloth purely. I, I, I'm able to paint the edging on the saddlecloths because it's in there. It's sculpted on. You're not having to just try and do it with paint because if you were just trying to do that edge just in paint without the it being in there in the casting it would be so much more difficult um certainly and like the things of how you you've got the like 
they've got like that you know the cavalry you've got the martingales you've got all the details in the bridles and everything you've got brow bones you've got all this it's all in there so it you know you just get your paintbrush out put in the leather to paint up all the harness it works and it, it just makes them look so much nicer than if it's just not there um so thank you very much for these ed looking forward to killing them in august <laughs> Then moving on now to something a little bit more um, esoterical than some Austrians. We move on to Paul's war band of unknown parlance. Um, by this we know what the characters are called. Yes. And I think that these are a mixture of 3D prints and we'll go with that. I think that's right. Um, uh, I didn't see these. Um, uh, this is the first time I'm seeing them, so I, I unfortunately missed them uh, when they were posted. But uh, they look great. Um, I very much like the character names glued to the bottom of the base. Yeah. So you know when Elsa has either set you on fire or stabbed you in the spleen, you can go, <laughs> thank you, Elsa, or Cora takes your eye out with an arrow. Um, these look really nice, Paul. Um be interested to know what these are from and assuming these aren't for blood and plunder which it seems what Paul mostly plays so um i think they might be frost grave um the multi-part frost frost grave kits and you say that based on the amount of um uh fur uh, involved i think and actually that makes very much sense because you can see where the arms are glued on some of them so they aren't 3d prints there we go now I this is definitely prime. We're not sure, so please correct us. So I, I, I I'm pretty sure that's the answer. But I, um, I think I would say for me the sculpting, the style of sculpting, very much has that look of the faces, doesn't it? That slightly I think so robust facial sculpting that a lot of those Frostgrave minis have. Um, yeah, they look good. They look really good and um, uh, a really great paint scheme. Uh, yeah, I'm loving look, the basing. They look really cool. And they, they, yeah, very, very nice bases. And again, these are like cool. This is like a really cool basing system that you could use to set figures in like a var You know, is this like a frozen wasteland? Is it the desert? Is it a tropical beach? Wherever it is? You know, it's slightly different that they're in loads of fur coats. So you're guessing it's somewhere really cold. But I'd be really happy with those if I could do like desert bases. Yeah, look like those. These are, are, are really nice models for um, mm. and, and quality bases. We do a lot of base chat when we talk. Yes, gallery, I don't don't know. maybe I'm, I'm, I've got bases on the mind. I'm not sure because I'm just about to base my Austrians, or at least that's on the uh, horizon. So maybe I'm I'm thinking bases. But um, I think I, I, I'm going to go that this is also Frostgrave Warband. I think I think so. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense, and it, it looks like there's. You know, all the figures made from the box and lots of, yeah, because I think you've then got a witch and an apprentice. So we'll go for all. If we're wrong, Paul, let us know. But we're assuming it's a Frostgrave Warband. These look really cool. And Frostgrave Warbands, I've not painted any for a while, but they are a really fun hobbying project to sort of paint up. I think my, my favourite one was probably my Snotlings. 
<laughs> an entire war band just of, of, of snotlings they were like stood on like varieties of walls barrels and different bits and pieces so it wasn't purely modeling for advantage you know rather than having archers and things you know snotlings with the little hand catapults that kind of stuff were, were, were cool figures uh, sounds pretty good. talking about my models talking about poles and these are really nice paul looking forward to seeing either more frostgrave war bands from you or whatever you post up next. And earlier on, we teased about the what would be this week's theme of we don't know what that is. Let us know and sort of make it a little bit more professional. We at least know what game they're from. So we now move on to Soren and his latest game that he's painting up, which is Aeon Trespass colon Odyssey, which is not a game I've heard of before. But uh, this stuff looks really good. Yeah, this is the thing. I, I've never heard of this game before. I quite like its design ideas. Of like the, the first figure we're looking at is what I would describe as almost like an anime Zeus. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it sort of looks like if if Zeus was in Dragon Ball Z or something, it looks very cool and. Every time we, we talk about Soren's painting style, this looks really fun. You know, the, the lightning bolts, like the dynamism in the Zeus's hair, just achieved with the contrast paints and stuff, looks really, really quite cool. Yeah. And then moving on to a golem or troll of some kind. Yeah, we are quite. We know what the game is. We don't know what individual units are listening, so we're just describing things in the audio medium. And check out the Facebook group if you want to see pictures of what we're talking about. Um, I think these are these are some of the more challenging ones to describe. Um, but uh, yeah, this I think Gollum slash Troll. He's got a big old hammer and he's giving his base a good old whack. Yeah, and seems to be or some sort of like Borg. Dryad-y thing. Um, yes, yes. We'll go with whatever. It's it's a fantastical creature. Um, and here we have another fantastical creature of some sort of demony thing in Asterix-esque striped trousers. Yes, they are very Asterix-like. This is a cool. This is a cool model. Mm. This is the sort of creature of like oh. A demon in trousers and like a boob tube with a giant scythe. Something you never sort of thought would be quite cool model, but actually works really well. And I think the striped trousers is what really sets it off. This is what I think is, is what goes up. Is this someone who's like, you know, read a book they shouldn't and been turned into some sort of word demon? <laughs> sort of thing. It, it, it looks quite cool. Um, and then here is an atlas or i assume it's a a legally distinct creature who's not atlas could it but... be sisyphus because he's got a large ro round rock um although he sisyphus rolled it up a hill and down i don't think he picked it up and used it as a as a combat weapon um, yeah. that probably wouldn't have the same kind of metaphorical um <laughs> representation but, it's uh, also quite a lot of effort has gone into carving that if that is just a weapon that you then start chucking at people. 
this but, is true. It, 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 it's um, it's very nicely engraved. Um, that is a really cool mod. Oh um, yeah, that is a, a very cool model. Um, then moving on to now to a creature who's beside some broken galley. Then moving on from the board game, moving on to a whole heap of dwarves that Soren has painted up, and these are really fun and look really nice and uh, i think this is a, a great example of how you can like apply your painting style to an army and really paint loads of models that when you can apply like a consistent style to them really just makes a whole army come together much like when we were talking about with ben stuff but all of these dwarves that soren has painted up he's painted a lot of them any you take any of the two figures from the various units and they just sit side by side each other and look really cool um and these are actually quite nice dwarf slayers as well yeah this is avatars of war as a manufacturer um which i remember seeing ages ago um uh, but i've not seen any miniatures painted um these look great yeah and and um if you're looking for a multi-part uh i think it's multi-part um they, they, they definitely look like they've got separate arms yes yeah 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 if you're looking for a multi-part uh slayer kit these are pretty good yeah, you know, they're, if he was being hypercritical of the sculpts, you'd say maybe they're a little bit chunky. But the Dwarf Slayers, what's stopped them being chunky? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and they look really practical models for basing. You know, these are on small squares. So, you know, for a rank and flank game where you want them to fit in the, you know, in the spaces of their base, they look really cool. Absolutely. Then, um, you know, and... You know, Soren has painted up dozens and dozens of them. Also, again, on base chat, really nice bases on these Soren. I think these look cool. Like They could be Underdark, or they could just be some Mountain Pass, or whatever. They look really cool. And looking yeah. forward to seeing like the whole of this army when it's painted up. And there are some characters as well, including a couple of guys who... At least to me, it looked like they may be in some sort of lantern core of some type, possibly attending some school for gifted children. Um, it, I it's a classic to, scheme. I, I do now want to see X-Men, but just all with dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a remake I want to see. Absolutely. Um, so thank you very much for those. Soren. So moving on from Soren, we now move on to Stephen Kellen, who once again pushes the boat out really on what I think you can achieve with marine painting. And we'll start off with some of his Imperial Fists. And these are just rude. <laughs> um, yeah, you've taken the notoriously difficult colour to paint yellow and knocked it out of the park. Is really good. Yeah, the, these are. You know, yeah, yellow. I think is the colour. I think almost everybody says they struggle with the most, and you've managed to give these depth and warmth and just make them look gorgeous. Um, especially when they're, you know, some of the modern Primaris Marines, which aren't necessarily the most amazing figures for my personal taste, but these just look cracking Stephen and again 
brilliant basing. So I, I'm going to depart from you. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I can't completely agree because I do quite like these sculpts. However, um, I, I certainly do agree that these are this is this is excellent paintwork. Um, and then yeah, some more Imperial fists for that squad, including the sergeant and a couple of dudes with the. Are these some new kind of heavy bolter? Yes. Special rules, bolter. You are the. You are the resident 40k expert, Ed. So. Well, it, it, it's all comparative. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think the collection that I, the little collection that I bought, um, these guys were not around at the time. So these are now whatever variation that we have. Um, but yes, this is a, a, a clearly a heavy bolter of some sort. I think these are heavy weapon version of the intercessors uh, uh, um, uh, marines. Um, and uh, yeah, very chunky. I think not quite as dynamic as some of the other um, uh, new marines that we've brought out, but they're not, in fact, the worst. Notoriously, the worst are the desolation squads. Um, you have what can charitably be described as nerf guns, um, but that's beside the point. Uh, uh, the, these miniatures are a good sculpt, I think, but. All, uh, Whatever you feel about um, uh, the current iteration of uh, Marines, really excellent paintwork. Oh yeah, and uh, even like, especially the like, barding over the shoulder pads and stuff. That like pinky purple. Yes. Yeah. Really, really nice. And then like the the ident colours on the knee pads. You know, these figures like that we're looking at here. Now, he's, he's knocked it out with like you know, yellow, incredibly difficult to paint. White incredibly difficult to paint black incredibly difficult to paint all on the same figures then moving on from some imperial fists we move on to some ultramarine terminators yeah and, and i believe these are the new new old new terminators so they've um uh just embiggened the original sculpts essentially um with some uh uh a little bit of finessing but um yeah, I, really nice work. Um, uh, lovely blues, um, and also you've got some checker work and some uh, uh, chevrons, uh, black and yellow um, uh, hazard stripes, um, which is you don't need to do that, but they look really, really good. Yeah, I think they're like the blue and white checkering on the power fist as like freehand work. Is just so nice, and Absolutely. how he's managed to do it, and how it's been highlighted, so it looks like it's catching the light. So it's almost like it's like object source lit checkering, yes. which is, you know, I think the textbook example of rude. Um, and he, he can't have had these for long because they've only just come out. They've only just come out. Um, yeah, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, cracking bases once again. And then moving on from some Terminators, we now move on to some of the, some more of the ongoing Salamanders. Yeah. That Stephen is also painting up. I really like these. I, I, I've mentioned before how much I, I like the, the green and like the tone of green that Stephen manages to get on his Salamanders. And there's, there's not more I can say really. You know, listen to previous galleries for what I think he's doing on these. They are just really nice. And like again, the free handwork on the banner 
Yeah. And the little flames and that sort of stuff. It's just you know, top-notch stuff. Absolutely. And then something on a, a little bit different from the salamanders, we have some of the newish world eaters. And, you know, something I, I, I really, really admire about everything that Stephen paints is like he paints lots of power armor but every set of power armor he paints he really he manages to truly do like top shelf paint jobs on every armor color so it's yeah. like this week we've like we've looked at the yellow of the imperial fists gorgeous yellow we've looked at the blue of the ultramarines gorgeous blue looked at the salamanders amazing green and now we have like the blood red of the world eaters and again it's just like top-notch red and brass it's sickening Stephen yeah you manage every marine chapter that you paint you get to do like box art quality paint jobs on them all uh, and you know you paint loads of them it's not fair because <laughs> there really isn't much place to hide when you're doing um uh, power armor uh and you're not doing like loads of messy effects or you know oil there are loads of different ways to do power armor and the way that i've tended to do it is to you know do lots of dry brushing and smudging and sort of so long as it there's enough stuff that pokes out color wise um you can i, you I, know, I make yeah, a mess yeah my power armor was always heavily battle damaged and grimy exactly it was always they have been in action for several years without access to a power washer um that, exactly so whereas these guys have had a, a clean lick of paint although i'm sure in the case of um these uh corn berserkers there is some uh, uh unnatural uh, uh vibrancy going on that, that there's some additives to the do. paint um but now, I, I, like, I think that is something that's really well worth noting about Stephen stuff is he never everything is always really clean like yeah he, he gives himself no wiggle room at all by hiding things in washes and filters or at least there's no like visible layers of grime and muck yeah and weathering powder and stuff to hide everything like, obviously everything is going to be wash to get the effects that he gets but it isn't like i'm just gonna like my technique of i'm i'll bang some earth shade on or bag and bring another laurel on it'll hide everything now this is the exact opposite of that there is purposely highlighting i'm hiding nothing i've given myself nowhere to hide exactly it, it, it's inspiring and then you know moving on from like the, the marines which are you know giving yourself no room to hide to then move on to the Primarch model and going well, what do you do when you give yourself nowhere to hide on a model <laughs> the size of a Primarch? Um, now this is a model that I'm again not a huge fan of. Like uh, the, the paint job on this is absolutely top-notch cracking. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's shop window. Um, hell, it, it it's display case in one world quality work yeah i can't fault it it truly is i just think like the angron model is let down by silly wings um, <laughs> they are very fantastical i i think it's it's uh choices were made um yeah. in the design of this model 
yeah, it, it just it's like there's nothing you can do. Like Steven is doing the absolute best he can do with the model he's got. And yet this is easily, I think, you know, if you were looking on the GW website to buy this model and this was the model, this was the picture that they had to sell the figure. Yeah. There you go. I don't think I've honestly ever seen flames painted on a weapon better than the flames that are in like the center of the sword. The sword yeah. looks like it's on fire. It looks like it's a living, breathing demon sword thing. And like the like power that he's got in the flesh of the head. Just like admittedly that this could be because, you know, like this is literally supposed to be like the living embodiment of rage mm. that is hang on. But the, that face looks like it's rage filled. It looks like the, 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 the flesh looks like it is just, you know, manifest rage. I think it's an yeah. absolutely amazing paint job um you know just pity has got such stupid wings um, <laughs> but then this is the tom curmudgeon show so thank you very much for that Stephen. yep now moving on to andrus and what i think are some of the war games atlantic cannon fodder range from their future wars set uh, if i'm wrong let me know uh, very cool mm. figures you know sort of like near future spacey sort of jumpsuit dudes i think these are very cool figures would work for like a variety of games i think you know you could definitely play with these in one of those games set in 1997 or like 2026 i think they're very cool i very much like the use of like the blue jumpsuits and the blue fabric so it it looks it, it ties them in it makes them all look like they are part of the same gang crew prison fleet sort of whatever you want to do with them and really yeah. cool i think th these are a very nice simple base as well you know, the painted base with some cool simple flock just makes them look really nice no really good really good uh, great vibrant blue as you say and again another uh, instance i think of the long tongue depressor as <laughs> the painting <laughs> wand and then moving on to a single figure that's a little bit more robust than most of the figures that we talked about today. We move on to Sean's giant. And this is quite a cool giant. Really um, is, yeah. You know, I think like painting giants or like ogres, anything. I think one of the most like intimidating is, I find is like just that like the acres of flesh tone. Mm. That. You've, you've got to paint and it really succeeded i think sean in, in, in painting this it, it it looks like a living breathing giant um it's quite a nice school to actually quite like this as a giant figure um yeah it, it, it looks really nice but I, I think you know there's a lot of like warmth and reality in that flesh and that, again as we talked about today quite a bit you know the different textures you know it looks the leather arm wraps look very different from like the rope then you know like the, then like the hide bandolier and then the cloth that's underneath the leather sash you know all those different fabrics and textures just are, are, all come out really nicely in the paint yeah so then moving on now to the final set of figures that we're going to look at today who can it be but warren and what is obviously the Warren standard. And we will start off with some fantastical figures 
from Warren today and we'll start off with what I'm going to assume is some sort of ranger slash roguey dude. Yes. And this is a, this has potential future D&D player character model for Tom written all over it because... Yeah, this this is a 3D printed figure from Flesh of Gods miniatures. And uh, yeah, it is it is for Warren's D&D party. It's a cool character. I yeah. Think it's, it, this is whoever you want it to be, isn't it? This is, you know, a half-elf. It's a drow. It's a human. It's a bunch of gnomes in an animated suit. It's <laughs> whatever you want it to be. Um and of course, Warren's painted it, so it's sickeningly nice. I think, for me, um, what really truly stands out for, for uh, this particular model for me on the paint job is actually not the figure itself; it's the tree stump the figure has got its foot on. Yeah. Because that tree stump is the best painted wood I've ever seen unpainted on a figure. It looks like a tree stump. Yeah. Yeah, Warren's probably going to tell us actually is a bit of tree stump. It's a bit of branch that he's found. Um, I don't think I've ever seen painted wood that looks as realistic as that. Yeah, I think it is, and that's that's no disrespect to the rest of the figure, which is an amazing paint job. But the paint job on that wooden stump is out of this world. Yeah, um, it it looks like it's a kind of hunk of mahogany. Because it's Warren, and obviously, like he has to now push the boat out a little bit with everything he paints. He then decides, obviously, oh, I'm painting the scabbard of the sword of this figure. Let's marble it. Let's let, let, <laughs> let let's make the scabbard look like it's made out of a piece of you know carved marble, and make it look like it's a gorgeous piece of carved marble. Because why not? When you're Warren, and you can paint whatever you want to such a sickening standard. Um, that's just gorgeous, uh, and also like. And then, you know, the absolute cherry on top is, is the weathering on the bottom of the cloak. So it just looks like he's been traipsing around the wilds. Uh, then some more D&D figures. We then move into a Lizardman-esque Dragonkin. What are we going for this to think? Paladin? Barbarian? Well, he has a mace. Cleric? Some kind of... Uh... Um, tablets around his neck. So I, I, I think perhaps a paladin or a cleric of some sort. He's, you know, he's healing the party through the power of positive thinking. Absolutely. And, you know, you will heal, or you will get poked with a mace and you know, walk <laughs> it off. I'm quite happy now. I'm good to continue. Um, another brilliant sculpt and absolutely cracking paint job. Uh, completely different to the dude. You know, obviously, we've now got like a scaly dude, and just looks really, really nice, Warren. And mm. again, you know, I think I really like it on this is and like what I wouldn't necessarily sort of thought of, but how he's. You know, this is probably this may be aided by living in Australia, where you probably get to see slightly more lizardy things than we do here in London. But you know, the idea of like having like obviously got like the orange scales. But then the blue softer flesh around the face, yeah. which he's then got in the underarms and underneath the tail. So sort of it, it, having those like splashes of blue 
like non-armored scale the bits making it again look more realistic but also a lot more interesting because i know if i was painting this figure I'd go, it's orange the whole thing would have been just different <laughs> shades of orange would you have thought to do like the blue for like the unarmored bits no i i i don't think i would have done uh it, it's it's really you know convincing and i i, I think it's just really inspiring that he goes to town on every miniature this way i think that's the the, the really cool thing it's like you, you you don't need to do that amount of detail on just a regular lizard man in, in the great scheme of things but yeah it looks great you'll probably tell us it took me like about three hours to paint uh, <laughs> very possibly because you know we, we, and saying like oh you don't have to do that level of like quality on every figure we sort of we know that Warren does this because we've seen when he paints armies and like you now here, here's a picture of his dwarves. Yeah. And yeah, we can see an entire unit of dwarves where everybody, every one of them is like painted better than any of my HQ figures for any one of my armies that I've ever <laughs> painted. And, and here we have like a whole unit of them. And here specifically, we're looking at what I assume is one of his, uh, Warren's actual command figures looks like a, a dwarven commander yeah and absolutely lovely base yes i was going to say about the base um just to continue our theme for this episode of base talk well um, yeah I, I think i think this yeah. is i think this would be tough to chat because <laughs> I, I i think if we're doing a a tough to per base ratio warren i think this is probably winning because one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm counting at least about a dozen individual tufts on that base, as well as some fog, and it looks yeah stunning. Uh, yes, um, mm. huge, huge fan of that. The whole figure is very cool, but the the base really is top quality work. And then Absolutely. talking about top quality bases and really interesting models move on now to a goblin king um and i think this this is obviously like a, a goblin king from the hobbit and i think this is quite an interesting model because it seems to be like obviously we've all for many sins seen the recent ish hobbit movies yes <laughs> and may have been somewhat disappointed with many reasons for that film including probably the goblins but this is like the goblin king more how i'd envisaged it but with a different kind of goblin like I'm, I'm not particularly sold on these type of goblins although they are better than the movie goblins i don't yes. know if, i don't know if, if you have a goblin opinion there ed but um I was, um, I, 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 you know, was not a great fan of the um, of the movie. I felt the goblins were fine, although they were clearly different to the ones in Lord of the Rings. And but I did feel the Goblin King was um, underwhelming, in part because of the writing and the way that they did the character. Um, but all that said, the this is a great miniature and um, really great design would work with um, a collection based around the modern hobbit movies um but sort of improves on the design i think yeah i i think this, this is one of those models where i think would you could easily play it 
within the modern Lord of the Rings game and just go and use the use the, the standard goblins for everything else and just go like, yeah, these goblins that are carrying the throne chair are just some special different ones. Yeah. But I think likewise, you could just have this figure as like the big bad in a D&D campaign of who is a goblin king. I think like you look at him instantly, you know he's a goblin king, but he he sort of fits in that. And this is an absolutely, absolutely top-notch paint job. And it's a very, yeah. very cool model. There is like so much going on with this model when you look at it and like, you know, all the different like bearers who are carrying the thing, you know, they're all in different poses. They all look like they're struggling to carry it. It's a very, it's a very busy model, but yeah. not at all in that everywhere you look, there is something going on, but it looks real. It's not just covered in random doodads Yes. for, for the sake of, of random doodads. And also one of the things I really like about it is the look of like dejection and suffering on the goblins who are carrying like the litter bearers. They do not look like they're having a jolly. They no. look, you know, they may be getting some ideas and reading some books thinking you know <laughs> casting about to see if any of if there are any like corsican artillery generals anywhere from future leadership ideas um <laughs> these these are quite cool and and again this is something else that you know we've talked about it seems to be quite a lot today how, how there are so many similar color palettes like the goblins are green the wood that everything is built out of is green and it's all covered in like gunk and slime and all sorts. And yet they're all different shades of greens. They're all different yeah. textures. They all fit through. And like the, the flesh of the goblins actually looks like living, breathing flesh, mm. despite being quite literally goblin green. It's, it's just really, really impressive. Yeah, and really then... And then because Warren, you know, just doesn't paint various D&D characters and goblins and everything to sickeningly high standards, he then moves on to and painted some more of his 20 mil World War Two. Yeah. And, you know, this is inspiring. It's shockingly nice. And I think it's I think this is. One of the first models that I, I think I've, I've seen, especially of World War Two, that really, in a way, brings home the reality of yeah. World War Two more in that because we're quite often, you know, the, the figure we're talking about is the artillery piece with the resistance lady on a bike. Sort of like pulled up behind them, and obviously we've all seen plenty of pictures of resistance fights and that stuff on, on bikes. But what we've not really seen, because we never see any of these pictures in colour, is actually real. It, it is the contrast between the military and the civilian. Yeah. And you know, here we've got like a lady in a yellow dress on a pink bicycle in a purple beret. You know, just cancelling. You know, having a look over. You see some olive drab artillerymen hiding behind their gun shield. And it's just such a weird juxtaposition between the two. Mm. But realising this is the this is 
the reality. It's, it's not black and white and some weird alternative universe. This is very much like the real world. And yeah. you, the lady on that bike looks like somebody who you would, you know, you, you'd see that bike parked outside the post office tomorrow and lady in the outfit. It, 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 it's really also like, I find this like model really quite moving and, and, and touching in a way that I wasn't expecting just because of like the colours yeah. Yeah, used. Yeah. And I, I think that is, is truly like a testament to the power of miniature painting. And because it seems to definitely be the theme for today, the base on this, I don't think I've ever Ooh, seen like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think you see many like artillery pieces based where you can clearly see the like path or trackway through the bottom of the base. Um, you see, I tried this with my cannons uh, for my Napoleonics, but um, that was just a muddy track. Uh, here you can see where the turf has been overturned by footfall. Um, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and you know the little use of the the bush slash shrub that the gun's hiding in. Again, fantastic use of tufts and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have the Warren standard for a reason, Warren. Um, this again is it, it, knocking it out of the park, like composition wise of how it's set up, like the skill in making the base, but also the, the color choice, I, I think is second to none. Yeah. I think it, it, it is truly, truly awe inspiring what you're able to achieve with these. We we had an interesting chat um, on the Facebook page um, after Warren had listened to the last episode where we spoke a bit about realism and um, uh, uh, in in world painting historical World War Two miniatures and sort of that line between something which really goes to the reality and something that is a playing piece and where that line is and it was really interesting and I was just going to say thanks uh, uh, to Warren for his feedback about the episode and. Uh, having that chat online, I think it's 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 I think it's one of those big questions in 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 in, in you know hobbying, and uh, yeah, this is real testament to stuff where you're capturing the the essence of 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 of, uh, of, of or trying to go as clear to closest to reality as possible and getting some really excellent results. Yeah, uh, thank you very much for bringing that up. I, I completely agree. So thank you very much, Warren, for that. And also thank you very much, Warren, for all the work you're doing on the Hobby Sport Terrain Group. And thank you for giving people a kick, uh, preferably to get more work, terrain work posted up on there. I know I'm definitely guilty of not posting anything up because I've not been doing very much hobbying. That's likewise, yeah. A couple of months, especially terrain-wise, because I've been so busy. But I am, mm. you know, Things have been painted, which will be in next month's gallery for me. But we will chat a little bit about terrain now, and we will start off actually with listener Benno's fields, which he posted up the day before Joy of Six. And I think it's amazing to, I know we've all been to tournaments or events where you're painting your, mar your army the night before in your hotel room. I really appreciated the fact that Ben Airpop is, is painting the fields for his Eastern Front game in Sheffield Hotel Room the day before. And the carpet fields, I think, are an absolutely cracking way of doing fields. I think yeah. they are 
second only to the coconut nut fields. Um, and Brennan's game looked really cool. And I think taking into the practicalities that he was traveling on the ferry and everything, had to bring everything with him in his luggage. I think doing the carpet fields was an inspired choice. And then moving on to the final thing that we are talking about today and a truly monumental piece of urban and of hobby engineering. This would be a hill fort that is produced only by a man who has grown up in an area that is below sea level. Um, this is Andy's hill fort, which we saw in progress pictures on all over the main hobby sport group page for several days. And this is really cool. This is really yeah. fun. It, it, again, it's it, this is in keeping in Andy's current theme of making fun and interesting terrain out of bits of tat. This was some cardboard and pilfered Play-Doh, I believe, from his son and some lollipop sticks for the Palisades. And jo I joke that it's a hill fort only made by somebody who grew up in Norfolk, um, but it's a hill fort. It works perfectly well as a hill fort and it looks really cool until it all warped with the cardboard. But as a learning uh, thing that he's going to try and fix in some way. Um, but now this is really cool. And this is I think a great example of how, you know, this is built for a game that you are here playing soon, isn't it? When you need to help. That's for. right. Yeah. And, you know, he put a few hours. Well, uh, you know, he puts some time and effort in to making a hill fort and he's made a hill fort that you can game over and it looks a perfectly serviceable perfectly fine hill fort yeah to fight over and it is far better than no hill fort certainly absolutely and it's made with things they had lying around the house and things that he could you know liberate from a child um <laughs> and i think it, it, it it's fun and i, I think it's I take the Mickey out of it because it's Anthony. I've got to take the Mickey out of it a bit. No, um, but I, I, yeah, yeah. This is in keeping with Andy's theme of, of, of making practical, usable terrain with what he's got around the house or has ready access to for game-specific ideas. I think this is you know, this is a, a knock it out the park idea in that he had not a huge amount of time and he wanted to make a practical hill fort slash fort for you and he to play a game over yeah and this is what he did you know it's made out of cardboard some play-doh flock and other bits and pieces he had lying around the house and it's a perfectly serviceable fort it's unfortunate that it, it's all warped but i think that's a learning ex project you know and i think you know people on the facebook group have given him various pieces of advice to prevent the cardboard warping yeah. in the future but i think even then it's you know if he'd have because he flocked it and put that little bit more extra effort into it, it I think that probably helps it warp even more than if he had just not phoned it in. Yeah, but, you know, you possibly tried too much hard, Andy. I mean, we've all had blunders um, with, 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 with work and, and something unexpected has happened. Uh, but, um, you know, better to do it with enthusiasm. And then if you, you at the end of the day, you know, the... the it's not like there's been 
like piles of resin or a 3D printed project that is um, imploded. It's a um, it's a piece of work where the, the the kit is relatively cheap and it's perfectly you know if if you wanted a better hill fort, if he wants to do another hill fort again, he can do it for not too much expense. Well, it's um, not like it's, I yeah. can't. Yeah, it's not like I when I see him next, I can't give him a sheet of a four size MDF to glue this to, yeah. and then go. Yeah, either glue it down to or use this as a basis for a new one now you've had to practice it's a learning experience it, it, it's the great thing about building terrain isn't it it's, you you do one thing you, you try a, a technique out you find oh that actually works i'm now going to do it i'm either going to do it again better yeah or that works it works i know when i built the modular river i built what was supposed to be the test one yeah built it found it actually works really well i was like don't actually need to build a proper one this test one works mm -hmm. um i think sometimes you have successes sometimes you have failures i know i've had an, a number of failures in the past of terrain but you sort of learn from them and move on but i think it's, it's when you, it, it's much better to put you know five or six hours into something and have it as a learning experience and put 50 60 hours into something it did yeah it then be a learning experience but also it's probably it's not like I would say it's not a practical application of like someone's hobby time to put like 50 or 60 hours into making a hill for that you're going to use for one two hour game and then never probably play with again. Oh, 100%. I completely agree. Um, it's things like putting effort into making things that you're going to use on a regular basis. I think it's it, it's fine, but I think it, it, it's one like I really enjoy making terrain, but I, I know the more terrain I make, the more terrain I want to make which is what I'm going to use regularly on a, mm. a week in week out basis, which is why I decided when we we're doing the overlist thing, I, I, I changed my plan of like my terrain project that I want to make this year is, you know, a 17th century Northern European board rather than a early 20th century East African village, which, you know, realistically I'm going to get a lot more northern european rural t village out than a east african village for world war one um i think that's fair i'd really like the east african village at some point i probably will still do that at some point but it's going to yeah. be a later project but so anyway tangents back to to ancient british hill forts um so there is the terrain group so again listeners please Check out both the main hobby support group on Facebook where everybody posts their work. You can see what everyone's posted up and the terrain group as well. Thank you very much, Ed, for joining me this evening. And thank you all listeners and hobbyists who post their work and allow us to talk about this every month. Really, we could not do this gallery without you. So you are both to blame and to thank for it all. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you all and good night. Cheers. Good night.